Good morning. My name is Amy Morgan, and our scripture reading from today is pulled from a variety of Proverbs. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and a health to the body. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wiser proof to a listening ear. If one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Whenever words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body and setting on fire the whole course of life. We all stumble in many ways, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this this whole sermon is about words, right? Uh, We thought it was really appropriate to uh, lead with that song. Um, I've done a number of mission trips over the years. Several to Ghana. You've heard me refer to Ghana before. And on one particular mission trip to Ghana, I was invited by David Mintz, our missionary, to be a part of a chief's council. Now, what does a chief's council look like? It's in a, it's in a house that is not very elegant, and um, the chairs are not that great. But the chief has a chair right in the middle of this sort of half circle of counselors that is more grand than the others, kind of, kind of throne-like, and he sits on the throne. And everybody who's at the council meeting in the audience gets to engage the council concerning issues that are important in their community. They would ask questions and throw it up front. You know what was interesting? The chief never said a word. He just sat there with his hands folded very quietly, and looked at all the people. And I was like, what's going on here? And David told me, he said, it's undignified for the chief to speak. So at a certain point, the chief would just turn to his right. And he'd whisper in the ear of his right-hand counselor. His right-hand counselor would stand up and repeat the words of the chief. So I thought that was really interesting because he was holding his word. But I got to admit, I couldn't help but thinking about the United States and politicians here. Imagine if you ask any American politician to conform to that protocol when asked questions, their head would explode from all the words that were inside, right? They couldn't stay quiet. What's interesting about the Proverbs is so often... The Proverbs counsel us to be quiet. 
stop saying words. A number of years ago, uh, my daughter was in a musical at Bloomington High School North, My Fair Lady. She had the role of Eliza Doolittle. Um, there were a lot of ways in which I was an appropriate role. But the point is, there was one section in, in this, this drama that was great. Eliza Doolittle is in conversation with this person who has an affection for her and, and the young man's name, Freddie. And Freddie is waxing eloquent with words. He's talking about words and trying to woo her. And finally, Eliza looks at him and she says, words, words, words. I'm so sick of words. I get words all day long, all day through. From him, speaking of Henry Higgins, who's training her about words, from him and now from you. Is that all you blighters can say? Words, words, words. And then I realized when I read that, my wife had said that to me one time. <laughs> and I don't think she was quoting Eliza Doolittle. Why? Because I'm just so full of words, words, words. I mean, what preacher is not? We all just chatter on endlessly. So I began this sermon by admitting I'm right in the crosshairs of everything I'm about to say. Point number one, monologue versus dialogue. In the Proverbs, you routinely hear a proverb that tells you to be quiet and listen first, to actually be in a dialogue. I think most of you would agree in our contemporary culture, true dialogue has almost vanished. We just shout at each other, whether it's on the news or in debate, we don't listen. We just shout. Some of these Proverbs, and I'm going to read a lot of them, you heard in the reading earlier. This one, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. There is the kind of uh, description there that you have seen before where somebody constantly speaks and won't listen when the other is trying to communicate. But there's another form of this same problem. It's when you allow the other person to talk, but the entire time you're formulating your argument. You know, neither one of those approaches is commendable or wise. You're supposed to actually listen. Don't interrupt. And while the other's speaking, don't expend your energy formulating an argument. Here's a, here's a little secret that you already know. You realize when you're being quiet and listening and formulating your argument, people know it. They can tell. You're not really listening. You're just trying to use your words to counteract my words. So why should you be quiet and listen? To, first of all, consider all the facts, because 
routinely when I listen to another, there are facts about this situation that hadn't entered my data pool. But there's another reason to listen. That reason is because of the other's perspective. Not the facts themselves, but the perspective of the other brings light to the situation. It allows for you to think more wisely about whatever the subject. So says the proverb, don't give an answer too quickly. Listen. By the way, that doesn't mean that you never give an answer. It doesn't mean that you never give counsel. It doesn't mean that a word of correction wisely selected is improper. Actually, it is. Another proverb says this, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reproof to a listening ear. There are times where words are appropriate, rightly spoken, fitly spoken, at just the right time. There's a psalm, Psalm 141, that puts it this way. It's very striking. The psalm says, let a righteous man strike me. It's a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It's oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. There are times where a rebuke is exactly the thing we need to hear. And it's not improper to offer one at the appropriate time. Here's a summary that the book of James gives to this whole topic. Really concise, just like James. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's the approach. It's called dialogue, not monologue. Second principle you can see in the Proverbs is the principle of bad timing with words. So I got the message from somebody a few weeks ago that they wanted me to address a particular proverb that they found to be interesting. And I promised I would do it, and it's perfect here. Here's the proverb. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Don't you love that? <laughs> Just put a cork in it. It's 6 a.m., right? Don't bless me that early in the morning. I can't take it. It's more like a curse than a blessing. It's timing, my friends. Everything is timing. The people who know this the best are comedians, right? Because you can say all these funny things, and if you don't say them at just the right time, they're not near so funny. You can say all these wise things, but if you say them at the wrong time, they're just stupid. They're just stupid. So blessing someone at 6 a.m. when they're not a morning person, not a good idea. It won't be taken as a blessing. But let me make another application. How about the person who in every situation says something like, well, praise the Lord. Really? There's nothing inappropriate about praising the Lord. Matter of fact, 
Some of the admonition of Scripture is to praise the Lord when you don't feel like it. But there's a lot of times where somebody just wants to share what's going on. And it might not be very good. And it's not time for you to say, well, let's just praise the Lord. Perfectly inspired words misplaced. Or how about this? Someone who always, I mean, this, this sounds so right at one level and applied so wrong. Someone who always says, as soon as somebody tells them something they're going through, they say something like, well, let's pray about that. There, there surely can't be anything wrong with praying about it. But there surely can be something wrong with saying it at the wrong time. If someone just lost a relative who was dear to them and is grieving, it's obvious you wouldn't say, well, praise the Lord. But it seems like some people are dumb enough to do it. It might even be true that you wouldn't say, well, let's pray about that. Because they're not in that space right now. They just need to grieve. They don't need your sanctimonious language. So the Proverbs routinely speak about timely words. Put it in a more positive way, the proverb says this, to make an apt answer, because you can't be silent all the time, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season. How good it is. It's just perfect. Or another proverb says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Perfect. Just the right time. First category is monologue versus dialogue. Second category is bad timing. Third category, too much. Just too much. Too many words. Remember one of the Proverbs that was read, whenever words are many, transgression is not lacking. Ouch. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. How often is it true that when you babble on and on, or I do it, I'm just throwing up a smoke shield for my own stupidity and sin? Frequently happens, says proverb. So be careful about your speech. Another one that relates to this theme too much is the tongue of a wise man commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. There's actually another translation that's a little bit more graphic, but really good. It said the mouth of fools vomit out folly. Stark image. The words just pour out, and there's no control over them. That's a fool. There's another proverb. I love this one. Even a fool is considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. How about that? You want to sound smart? 
just shut up. Right? Don't say anything. It's great advice a lot of times. I heard a, a proverb that kind of must have played off of this one uh, not long ago. Um, and it said, better to be silent and look like a fool than to speak and leave no doubt. <laughs> right? Be careful with your words. Don't use too many of them. Um, there was a, a movie that came out in 1996 called Angels in the Outfield. My kids loved that movie. It was right in their wheelhouse. They were, you know, in elementary school. It was so much fun to watch that movie. I think we have still an old VHS copy of that movie. And there were a lot of fun things in the movie, but one thing that I remember and just thought was hilarious was there was a baseball broadcaster in that movie who loved the sound of his own voice, right? And he just wanted to talk incessantly. And he had a sidekick who was an analyst who also wanted to talk. But he didn't like him talking too much because if he talked too much, it eclipsed all that rush of words that he had to share with the audience. So on occasion, when the analyst would talk a little too much for the announcer, the announcer would put his hand over the mic and he would say, Less is more. That's great. It's true. But here comes a great part of the movie. <laughs> the announcer is going on and on, and the owner says to him, just shut up or I'm going to fire you. <laughs> and the announcer says, you can't fire me. I got a contract. And the analyst grabs the mic <laughs> of the announcer and says, be careful. Less is more. Um, you, you know, it's true. Less is more, isn't it? A lot of times, less is more. That's why you're considered even intelligent when you keep your mouth shut. The fourth category is what I call gentle power. And there you have this phrase, a soft anger, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, 1. It's likely that Solomon wrote those words, you know. You got to wonder if when he wrote those words, he was thinking about an episode in the life of his father, David. David was hot-headed. He had a lot of words. Thankfully, we got the Psalms because he had a lot of words. But he often said too much. Let his anger get the best of him. And on one particular occasion, David was in the wilderness running from Saul, and he realized that a man called Nabal was shearing his sheep. Now, the story behind Nabal and David is this. Nabal was either with or sometimes not with his servants out in the open wilderness tending the sheep. When you're out in the open wilderness, allowing your sheep to graze, you're open to all kinds of things. Wild animals, thieves. David and his men decided that while Nabal was in the field, that he and his men would watch over him. They basically surrounded the shepherds at night. They kept people away. They kept animals away. They protected him. So when it was time to cheer the sheep, David sent 10 of his men 
to give a message to Nabal. And the message was, Nabal, for quite some time now, we've been surrounding your men like a wall of protection in the night. You've not lost a single sheep. No one's been robbed. You've been safe. Would you be so kind as to share a little bit of the festival with my men? Can you allow us to eat some of your stuff? The response from Nabal to those ten men was, who does this man David think he is? I don't even recognize him. As a matter of fact, there's lots of servants who have run away from their masters. He's just one of them. Because there was a conflict with King Saul and David was fleeing King Saul. He said, you go back and tell David, don't expect anything from me. They went back and gave the report. And David, hot-headed as he was, was so angry, he said to 400 of his men, strap your swords on your side. We're going to teach him a lesson. Out of control anger. He started towards Nabal's location. And in the meantime, Nabal's wife, her name was Abigail. She heard about what was happening. She very quickly got a small group of people together of her servants, and she went out to meet David. And she had fresh meat from the lambs prepared, and fruit, and wine as an offering. And when David approached her, she bowed down to him and called him Lord and said, Lord, please consider the foolishness of my husband. He's a hot-headed man, and his name, Nabal, actually means fool. Will you please receive these gifts as an offering? And turn back your anger. David said, you are so much more wise than I am. He turned back his anger and he went back to camp. You know something else she said to him while he was there? He said, David, you've been anointed to be the king of Israel. You know the story of David? Saul was still the king, but David had been anointed. He said, you've been anointed to be the king of Israel. And eventually, you're going to take the throne. What I'm trying to do, sir, is to keep you from having innocent blood on your hands that will stain your conscience forever. What a wise woman. What a description of a gentle answer turning away wrath. Another category is words used for good or for bad. As a part of the reading, there was a pretty lengthy section that wasn't from the Proverbs. There was a section from the Psalms, but there was a section from the Epistle of James, which talks about the tongue. 
And this is a rather negative reference to the tongue. James says this, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the members, staining the whole body and setting on fire the whole course of life. We all stumble in many ways. But if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. James also describes the tongue like the rudder of a massive ship. It's tiny, and it, by itself, makes a gigantic ship turn. Guard your tongue says James. Whoever keeps his mouth, says the proverb, and keeps his tongue, keeps himself out of trouble. That's restraint. But then there's a positive word about words. And this positive word comes from Proverbs as well. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. There, there was nothing more impressive to the palate in the ancient Near East than a honeycomb. Great, gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So the tongue can either be a fire that sets a forest ablaze or it can be gracious words that heal. The final thing to say about these words in the Proverbs is actually to use the words of Jesus. Jesus says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Wow. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. How many times have you said something like this or heard others say something like this when a word slipped out of their mouth? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't really mean that. I spoke too quickly. Actually, what they meant and what I have meant when I've said it is not that I didn't mean that. Just that I didn't mean to say it. Because what I say is what I mean. And it's okay for me not to say what I think. Can somebody just make a sign for me and hang it around my neck that says that? It's okay not to say what you think. Speaking your mind is not the same thing as wisdom. Wisdom is knowing when to speak your mind. I have mentioned before that I love country music. Um, don't condemn me for not being sophisticated. I like other music too, but I love country music. And on one occasion, I was out at 
Heritage Trail Pizza or whatever it's called out there. Trailhead Pizza. Trailhead Pizza out on 446. If you haven't been there, you need to go sometime. I Somebody tell the owner that I promoted this so I can get a free pizza. No, seriously. You go to Trailhead Pizza, and sometimes there will be karaoke out there, and sometimes there will be a guest musician. And I went one night, and there was a guest musician. He was a country singer. His name was Pete Schlegel. And I was so taken by him because I thought, man, this is the kind of guy that ought to be in Nashville, but he actually lives in northern Indiana, and nobody knows him. He was awesome. He was singing, and I said, I got to get one of his CDs. So I bought one of his CDs and gave him some money for a tip and said thanks, and, and I plugged the CD into my car. Yeah, I still use CDs. Okay. I plugged the CD in my car, and I was listening to it, and I ran across one song that was about listening and speaking. Man, was it good. And wow, was it hard to listen to. Here's what the song said, without all the verses. The refrain that was constantly repeated was this. Before you speak your mind, just ask yourself, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? I thought, man, there you go. Country music is so wise. And then I realized he was just borrowing the words of a missionary named Amy Carmichael. Seriously, those were her exact words. That's what's so great about being a a musician. You don't have to cite your sources at all. And the people who wrote it are just happy they're in the words of of the song, right? He didn't say, it's Amy Carmichael, for crying out loud. And the words are just stellar. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And if it doesn't measure up to any of those three, put a cork in it. So, I want to end with a prayer. And I just want you to join me in the prayer. Not repeat it, you don't know it. Will you pray it with me? Let's pray. Loving God, our Heavenly Father, who has been so kind as to send Jesus Christ into this world to walk where we walked. And through his life, gave us a living demonstration of wisdom. Speaking only when it was appropriate. Always speaking words that were true and necessary and kind. Allow us to be like Jesus. And may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.